0: Do your chickens associate you with yummy snacks? Do they follow you around the yard just waiting for you to break down and give them something to scratch and peck for?
1: We have the perfect guilt-free snack for your flock, Grubblies! They have 50 times more calcium than mealworms and they're a great source of protein for your little mother cluckers, which means they'll have healthy shiny feathers and can even help them get through a molt faster. So say goodbye
0: to throwing your chicken mounds of made-in-China mealworms and say hello to a happier, healthier flock with Grubly Farms Grublies, the official chicken snack of the Drink and Farm podcast.
1: So go to grublyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order.
0: farm
1: things, we drinking farm things, oh hey Sam, oh hey Bev, what you drinking over there? I'm drinking a beer from Around the Bend Beer Company and it is called Vera and it's a pistachio cream ale. Ooh! so is yeah. it kind of salty? I don't know, I have not tasted it yet. Oh, I'm gonna do that okay. right now, but I actually picked it because of the can art. <laughs> it has, so I called it the spy versus spy mask, but that's not right. It's the mask that they wore, that the doctors wore during the plague. Oh, Have you seen that before? It's yeah. like super freaky looking. Yes. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I have to have this this beer. It It just looks too fascinating.
0: Because you think of our podcast as the plague? (laughs) (laughs) Or that we're spies?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hmm. Now we're going somewhere (sighs) with that.
0: Sam's watched too much Blacklist in the past couple hours. We started binge watching that. So I think everybody's a spy now. (laughs) Nice.
1: (laughs) The beer is actually really good. It's like a little sweet. um, And I don't normally go for cream ales because I feel like they kind of end up hurting my stomach just a little bit. There's like something about the, whatever they put in it to make it have that creamy feel tends to bother me, but um, this one's good. I like it. Good. So what are you drinking over there?
0: So I am drinking a margarita. Mm. I made margaritas this weekend I made two kinds. I made regular and spicy. So this is the spicy margarita. And I got all fancy and made my own jalapeno simple syrup.
1: Oh, yum.
0: Yes. And it was super easy.
1: I'm going to have to have you send me that recipe because I have more jalapenos that I know what to do with. They are rotting on my counter right now. <laughs>
0: Ooh, yeah. So for the simple syrup, just for the listeners too, if they're in the same situation, it's just one cup of sugar one cup of water, you boil that and mix it until the sugar dissolves. And then you put the jalapenos in, you wanna um, make sure you stem them, de seed them, all that fun stuff first. And then you put them in and do like a low boil for 10 minutes and then you take them off the heat and you steep it for either like 10, 20 or 30 minutes. Depends on how spicy you want the simple syrup to be. And then in this cocktail recipe, you only use a half of ounce of it and then you use I, – well, I used – I kind of improvised. I used two ounces of lime juice, uh, an ounce of triple sec, an ounce of simple syrup, just plain simple syrup. And then I kind of went a little rogue from the recipe and used an ounce of the jalapeno simple syrup in it because I like spicy. Um, and then two ounces of tequila. Mm. And I recommend using a silver one. So it's pretty good. Um they could have totally knocked me on my butt this past weekend <laughs> if I would have drank a lot of them. They're pretty strong, but I I'd switch to beer after my first one.
1: <laughs> that's what I usually do. I'll have one yeah. mixed drink and then I switch to beer. That's that's my jam now too, mostly because I'm in my thirties and I don't like being knocked on my ass anymore. <laughs> yeah. Liquor
0: before beer, you're in the clear. So oh. margarita before beer, no sickerita. <laughs> But yeah, I just wanted to finish it up, so I decided to drink the rest of it today. We don't normally do cocktails on the podcast, so I hope you all learned something new about the simple syrup thing. Or maybe you're like, Sam, that's so simple.
1: (laughs) I mean, I learned something new. Well, good. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things.
0: Yes, that's Bev over there. And
1: that's Sam over there.
0: And this is a farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears.
1: We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life.
0: We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby-sized farm or a huge farm, to come and listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing.
1: We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related.
0: And speaking of those tangents, we definitely had one of those at the beginning of this episode, and that was cut and will go up on our Patreon. And the episode outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So you can check that out by going to patreon.com slash farm.
1: Yeah, and our fall gifts are coming to yes. the Patreon peeps this month. So thank you, guys. We had so many new Patreons this month. It completely blew me away.
0: Me too.
1: I just wanted to say thank you. And you'll be getting all your gifties in just a couple of weeks, a few weeks. I don't know when they're really going to arrive. But as soon as they do, <laughs> we'll get them packaged up and out.
0: Yes. And Bev was explaining to me too about uh, two very important changes to our Patreon that you should be a aware of. Uh, so Bev, would you like to take it away and explain those to the people?
1: Oh, yes. So the first change is when you join our Patreon now, it will charge you up front for joining because you get access to all of the cool stuff that's on our Patreon page right away. They will charge you on the day that you join and then they'll charge you for your next month on the first. Um, it used to be that it didn't charge you until the first but they had a change like back in their back end and gave that as an option and since there's uh, since all the content is available to you the day you you join, we thought that that was the smart way to have it set up. So, like, don't join on the twenty ninth.
0: Yeah, and then peace out.
1: <laughs> well, so what'll happen is is like if you join on the twenty ninth, it'll charge you on the twenty ninth, and then it'll charge you again on the first. So that's just how that works. So unless that's what you want it to do, you'll want to wait until closer to the first. Um, but if you don't want to, or if you're happy with it doing that, then great. Because, I mean, we can always use the funds because we have another stretch goal that we added. Yes. Yeah. So when we reach the $400 per month level, we're going to hire a virtual assistant, like our very own shiny new Steven.
0: Yes. And for those of you that don't know who Steven is, you're probably like, who the F is Steven? Is that <laughs> a new animal that Sam or Bev's going to get? Uh <laughs> Well, that is very hilarious in my brain no so steven is uh works with the my favorite murder podcast and he's their producer extraordinaire dude um that does a lot of the back end stuff and helps with research and things like that so we're looking to get one of our own of that In human form.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because putting together this podcast is super time consuming and we need help for all of like the techie behind the scenes stuff because that'll allow us to focus more on the content stuff, which is what we really, really want to be doing. And I think that's the thing you guys want us to be doing, too. So,
0: Yes. And once we can hire our very own uh, virtual assistant to help us with all those things, that means we might be opening up some more uh, drink sponsorship area what do you call them drink sponsorship patreon spots that's what i was looking for because we'd be able to do more mini sods. yes so if you're interested in hearing more of us um and aren't already a supporter we would greatly appreciate you going over there checking it out and considering to give us um i think it starts out at two dollars a month it does yeah only two dollars yeah that's not even a starbucks pumpkin spice latte (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm very excited to get. (laughs) Me too. I
1: haven't had one yet this season. Me neither. I'm I'm trying to hold off until like at least the first day of fall.
0: (laughs) I've had pumpkin spice bread, pumpkin spice Cheerios, pumpkin spice wafer cookies. I just have not had a pumpkin spice latte yet. Sam. Oh, and I also have Starbucks pumpkin spice coffee for Mm. home. But I have not achieved the most basic bitch of them all with the pumpkin spice latte so I'm just I'm
1: taking steps <laughs> and our drinks this episode were sponsored by Ashley Kiernan so cheers lady
0: cheers thank you
1: so I have some follow-up this week
0: yay I'm excited I hope <laughs> yeah I mean it's good news so- okay good
1: It turns out that Herc the Donk might not actually be attacking the goats like I thought. It just turns out that donkeys play really rough with each other. Oh. If you saw my Instagram today, then you'll know that I did indeed start putting that fence up to go in between them because I still think it's smart to separate them.
0: Agreed. It's better safe than sorry. Like. I'm sure you'd be devastated if anything bad ever happened, even if it was like an accident or donkey thinking he's playing kind of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because like the way that donkeys play is they like grab on the neck (laughs) and roughhouse with each other. Well, and so he was kind of doing it to me today, even. I've been working on the fence, so I was clipping fence, which is like, you know, you got to put like the clips on the T posts and the wires. And he was coming up behind me, he's getting really close because, of course, we're working while the animals are out there in the pasture for some crazy reason because we're ridiculous. And he's like <laughs> leaning all the way up against my body and he's laying his head on the back of my neck. And I like I feel his lips, like, you know, like kind oh of moving my- around. <laughs> So I'm, I'm elbowing him to get him off of me because I'm like, no, I can't have you climbing on me yeah. just because if you like, if you start thinking like, oh, it's playtime, then you'll grab me and really hurt me and you right. weigh a lot. And I don't want that to happen. So like, I'm really gentle and playful. I, I push him off and I make him give me a space. It kind of looks at me like funny. But yeah, so it's totally possible that he could hurt any animal that's smaller than him on accident. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, he's going to be moving into his own pasture uh, and also, it turns out that bored donkeys tend to, like, play rougher. Oh. We did get him, like, a big 30-inch jolly ball, and he loves it. He, like, rubs his body on it and, like, rolls around on it, which is Aww. kind of fun. And he's got, like, a like an empty bowl, like a feed bowl from uh, Tractor Supply, like those black rubber mm. ones. Yeah. And he'll, like, throw that around. And he's got a traffic cone and he has a a hula hoop and he has started picking the hula hoop out around and like running around with it in his mouth. So he is starting (laughs) to play, (laughs) which has helped um, because I reunited them. Everybody was too sad being separated. Like Herc was so loud. When the goats weren't around because i think he was extra bored then <laughs> so now we've got like a good balance so i think for now we're going to leave the gates open in between them once the fence is done and then um once i figure out how to get him a like a companion in his side then we'll figure out like we'll be able to put Herc and the goats on the one side and the new animal on the other side so that they can sniff through the fence and you know not fight right away and then I'll put the two bigger animals together on their side and the goats will be on their side. And it'll be good for kidding season too. Cause like I couldn't have Herc around tiny baby goat kids. Right. Like, yeah. He might love them too much. <laughs> 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 so yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see where it goes. Honestly, we needed a second pasture anyways, so like it felt really good to get this stretched. And I already found a spot where we can stretch one more fence and end up getting a third. Pasture, maybe someday soon. So, I don't know. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but you know, I was not planning on stretching fence this year. So,
0: yes, no, I know. And it was kind of funny when that time came (laughs) because I knew you just didn't want to this year.
1: Well, and you know, I think sometimes you just like, you got to do what you got to do when it comes up, Mm -hmm. and you just never know how things are going to go. So, I don't think that there's anything different or better we necessarily could have done from the beginning. Like, we're just, we're kind of winging it and getting better and learning more all the time.
0: (laughs) Yes. So is everyone else.
1: (laughs) Good company. We're all in good company.
0: Yes, we are. So I think we can just get right into it now.
1: Yeah, I think so, too.
0: And unfortunately, this episode... And the content that we're about to go over stems from another sad experience from one of our farms. But I think it's really important because I have not had this issue yet with any of my chickens. So um, I'm excited to learn from what you learned from your experience so that myself and others can possibly either know what these signs are faster or act faster so why don't you kick it off by telling us what happened a little bit
1: yeah so i had a hen die from vent last week and vent is also known as cloacitis, cloacitis? does that sound right cloacitis? yeah because is
0: it cloaca
1: Yes, it's cloaca. So, so I choachitis. think it's cloacitis. I feel like we
0: should just call it vent gleet from here that on out. because I what we're going
1: to
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I was like, maybe Bev's got this like down and I just don't.
1: <laughs> no, I wanted to give the clinical name for it um, because like it's not... So it's not like a specific disease per se, mm. but it's just like the inflammation of the chicken's cloaca.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So um, we did pull some research from poultrydvm.com, and there will be a link to the article that we're referencing in the show notes while we're talking about all the clinical stuff of Vengale. Um, But this is actually the article that I used while I was treating the hen mm. that had okay vent glee so i thought it was a good one to use for our podcast research for sure but uh vent glee is basically a gastrointestinal condition that can be caused by a number of different things and there are a ton of different kind of organisms that can cause it like it can be caused by a fungi a protozoa parasites yeast or bacteria so it's basically just like something isn't right in the hen's cloaca okay long story short. <laughs> and it could be anything fun.
0: Joy. Yes. <laughs> Thank you
1: chickens for giving us one more weird thing to worry about. <laughs> yes.
0: Something that's semi nonspecific.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um, it's usually brought on by stress and it can be associated with like egg-laying, bowel infections, or some sort of hormonal uterine issue. So basically, like cloaca, or cloacitis, or vent it's basically just kind of an indication that your hen is a little down in the dumps, and so it's not going to the bathroom right, and it's got uh. a little bit of something funky in there. Because like if you've ever seen a hen's digestive system, it's super simple. So Mm -hmm. when something's off in any area of it, it's basically like the whole cloaca is having issues. So
0: (laughs) this might be gross, but it kind of sounds like the human equivalent of a yeast infection.
1: Well, that's basically what it is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And and. In fact, like, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that was how I figured out that she had vent glee. I smelled it.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, because it took me forever to figure out what was wrong with this hen. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. Because she's I, sick for a real long time. <laughs> right.
0: You thought maybe she was egg bound or it was like a respiratory issue. So it's like, that's the thing with chickens. And we've said it before, like. When you Google something with chickens, like five different distinct diseases or problems come up and they all have very similar symptoms. So it can be very tricky to like nail it down.
1: Yeah. And so what happens when a hen gets stressed out because they're a little down in the dumps about something, um, it increases the pH level, which predisposes the chickens to developing an infection in the cloaca and nearby organs. So basically anything down there within their digestive and... Uh, reproductive tract can get a little off just because one thing is off like in the ph Mm. levels in in their organs i'm clearly i'm not a vet
0: (laughs) no but that makes sense though you're making sense okay good because it can well even like with chickens in general like you look at them funny and they have they can have a heart attack so like what if something is off in their pH levels, it could probably be like the tiniest thing that happened. Like, I did my own Googling on this and read some very judgy articles about what causes this. And it's like you're really not giving your chickens enough food or you're they're stressed out or they don't have this. And it's like, okay, I've seen my chickens run around with a dead mouse in their mouth before. They probably did it to themselves because they're little savages. Like, it might not be anything you're doing to them. It's just that life is happening to them as it happens to us. And when a human gets stressed out, they have physiological reactions too. So it's really no different than a chicken being stressed out.
1: Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen how many people have to use the bathroom urgently before a marathon? Like Oh uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, whenever when I was in marching band in high school, I would have phantom poops. Like I thought I would have to go poop and it wasn't true. It's was just your body reacting
1: to the adrenaline. <laughs> yeah, to like the stress of like having to yes. perform. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And like in humans, cortisol levels go up, and it means you can get fat because you're stressed out, and your body thinks it's in survival mode. So really, stress does weird things across the board to humans and animals. And rant, anyways. So what I, <laughs> the point of this is? What you're doing as a chicken keeper doesn't necessarily mean that you're the one creating the stress or causing the problem. It's just that stuff
1: happens. Yeah. Yeah. Stress is life. Yes, it is. <laughs> So early signs of vent glee is, um, or includes, pasting of the feathers near the vent, so That's why I always like to try to do like a little check on the chickens' Mm. rear ends. Like when they're running by, I'll just kind of cock my head and look really quick. Because healthy chickens usually have really fluffy feathers in the back. Mm -hmm. And chickens that are suffering from vent gleet can have them all like kind of pasted together. Or they could be missing a ton of them because like they get pasted together. And then their friends are very helpful and pull them out for them. (laughs) They have like bald (laughs) bottoms with broken feathers and like poop sticking to them. Mm-hmm. That's usually your first sign that like something is just a little off because when something's off, their bathrooms are always off. It's just the way chickens work. Yeah. Um. You will also might feel like a soft kind of bloated abdomen. So it'll kind of feel like a little bit of water belly down there. Mm-hmm. And they'll have kind of a sudden dull appearance. So in the article, it mentions a dull appearance of the feathers. But what I recognized in my hen was that her comb drooped. So she usually had a bright red comb that stuck straight up. It was still red, but it had fallen over to one side.
0: That's interesting.
1: Isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. I think it's just because the blood flow, like the blood flow Ah. must have been going to where the issue was. So it wasn't concentrated on standing the comb up, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. They'll also have a decrease in egg production, which can be really hard to track if you've got a lot of chickens. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and there will be excess gas in their bodies. And, um, so fun way to check to see if your chicken has excess gas, put it in the bath because if there's a lot of gas in their stomachs, they float. Oh
0: my gosh. (laughs) And I've tested that
1: theory. So I know that.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. How strange. Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: and they'll also have loose watery droppings, which, you know, stick to the feathers Mm-hmm. And usually if uh, they're just having the early signs of vent glee, you can figure out or you can kind of rebalance the pH in them by giving them a little bit of vinegar inside their water, which is a little trickier to do in the summertime because they tend to not drink the vinegar water when okay. it's hot. Yeah. Um. So like electrolytes and stuff would probably be helpful Um, and try to figure out what's stressing them out and take away the stressor like you might have a bully in your you know in your flock or Mm -hmm. maybe they did run out of food and you just didn't notice like that happens to us sometimes (laughs) or their waterer got knocked over or something got in their waterer and you didn't notice it you know just kind of poke around and see if you figure out what's causing the stressor um and if they have advanced uh vent you'll notice that the droppings are really slimy and they tend to be kind of blood tinged so they'll be like an orange or rusty red color there will be the foulest odor that you may have ever smelled in your whole life it's very sweet and yeasty but it sort of has like a death lingering on it as well it's a very it's hard to describe but once you've smelled it you'll recognize it for forever my boots smelled like it for a week fun fact
0: Ooh, so it's like ingrained in your brain then <laughs> yes i
1: was swearing that i was smelling it everywhere for a little oh, while it was really no. bad <laughs> Oh no! and their abdomen will be really hard so it'll feel like an egg-bound hen but it's not egg-bound it's just that their abdomen has gotten rigid for some reason and i'm oh, not really no. sure what causes that but that's a sign of it
0: that's tricky though because you don't expect You know, it's hard to pare down the diagnoses when they kind of act like the other things you're thinking of. Because when I honestly, when you were telling me about this and as I was reading through the notes for today's recording, I was like, wow, this sounds a lot like egg peritonosis, which I dealt with like a year ago. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy how similar all of these are it's just mind boggling.
1: <laughs> well, and I think one of the reasons why chickens have so many similar symptoms is because their systems are so like technically simple. That makes sense. So they don't have very many options for things going wrong. Mm. Like, you know, like something's wrong, so all of the systems sort of fail in what's the word I'm looking for? Like all together. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, that that makes a lot of sense.
1: They also don't have as many orifices for things to come out of so it's like hens don't usually like vomit when they're sick. right So all of the bad stuff comes out the back end.
0: <laughs> makes sense.
1: Um, and they also will technically will typically not eat so there'll be a loss of appetite. they won't drink a lot of water either. There will be inflammation or red swelling around the vent area and they'll also strain to defecate. They'll have trouble actually going to the bathroom and that's partially why they stay so filled with gas is they like can't get their vent open to relieve it oh wow yeah some ways to treat vent glee is you know to find the stressor and take it away which you know might require you to put them in your little chicken urgent care that you've got set up somewhere like a dog crate in a laundry room or in your barn or something like that um give them a bath We obviously recommend using Messy Mildred to wash your chickens, but you can use whatever you've got if you don't have that. And you want to make sure that you remove all the poop off of the feathers and the vent opening. And you can use an oral syringe filled with a saline solution to gently rinse out and massage the inside of the cloaca. Don't go like all crazy and like squirt really hard because their systems are really simple. So you're gonna end up really hurting them like that, but use like a gentle stream and you can kind of rinse the stuff out. What I did was I actually like ran my finger around the inside to try to pull all of the slimy, gunky stuff out so that she had like a clean vent to start with for her next meal, hopefully, which I thought might help a little bit. Um, You'll also want to like put like an antiseptic on the vent because usually there's like germs and stuff all around the vent from the gleet. So you wanna kill all of that bacteria. Um, this website recommended Betadine. Um, I used iodine. And um, some of my other chickens that I noticed had like slight uh, signs of vent glee. I just sprayed with um, uh, like a spray wound antiseptic on their butt feathers and around their vents because I thought that would do it. That'd kill it all. Oh, okay. You'll probably have to repeat this um, a few times because it takes a little while for them to get over it and you wanna make sure that the cloaca area is kept really clean and their vent is kept really clean. You wanna do the vinegar water for the chicken to drink, which is one tablespoon of vinegar per a gallon of water. And if you have the ability to get this antibiotic, the specific antibiotic that's recommended is a hundred milligram tablet of metronidazole, metronidazole,
0: does that sound right? Sure. Yeah. I think it sounds great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm good at words. Um, per kilogram of body weight, twice daily for four days. And what that is, is it's a specific type of antibiotic that treats yeast infections in humans. So if you have access ah. to that um, specific antibiotic, you can treat your hen with that.
0: So it's totally right about the yeast infection thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, you are. You were totally right. Yes. You called it. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Do you feel overwhelmed by the choices or maybe even the lack of choices of chicken first aid supplies treats or other chicken keeping items
1: have you ever stood in your favorite feed store and felt completely confused not sure what to try without it being a total waste of money
0: we have the perfect solution to this problem subscribe to the monthly chicken keeping boxed honey and rue
1: honey and rue makes it easy to get products not available at your local feed store Build your poultry first aid kit, try new treats and coop items to keep your flock healthy and happy. And you can enjoy a carefully selected chicken-themed gift for yourself or to give to someone else.
0: These products are hand-selected by the founder of Henny and Rue, who is the chicken keeper herself. So you know the products have been tested by someone who knows what they're doing. So treat your chickens and yourself by going to hennyandrue.com and subscribing
1: today. Henny and Rue is the perfect gift for yourself or the chicken keeper in your life. You can pre-buy 3, 6, or 12 months or pay month to month.
0: So remember to go to honeyandroo.com and use code Farm to get 10% off your first subscription box.
1: Okay, so now that we told you all about Vent Glee. I can give you the quick rundown on what happens with the hen that died on our farm with fent Gleet, Cause I think mm. having like the real story also helps like put the symptoms together.
0: Yes, I agree.
1: So this specific hen was sick for weeks. And the only sign that there was anything wrong with her was that her rear end and feathers were like all poop crusted and stuck together. And her comb had flopped over, which I already told you guys a little bit earlier. So as soon as I noticed that I gave her a spa day and cleaned everything all out, washed her bottom really good and let her soak for just a little bit and she was active eating and drinking so I put her back with her flock because I hate having to keep hens in the chicken ER. Because mm-hmm. A, it's a chicken all by itself that you've got to, like, keep an eye on and take really good care of. And it's hard because they're separate. <laughs> right. But also reintroducing them to the flock can be a really big pain, too. So I personally only separate, like, if I really have to. Mm-hmm. Um, She was gurgling a tad. So I thought maybe she had a little bit of fluid in her lungs from all the, like, hot and humid weather that we've had around here. So I gave her some electrolytes and herb tincture from Moonlight Mile Herbs and I'm sorry, I should have looked up exactly which one it was, but it's their emergency um, herb tincture that they have for, like, it's just, like, an overall all-sickness tincture. I keep some of that okay. on hand. And I also just made a note to myself to keep an eye on her. Uh, and I learned later, after she died, of course, that gurgling is a sign of vent gleam. Oh, okay. So gurgling is not just... For respiratory things. And I think it's just because their systems are all so close together. So mm. when something's gurgling, it could be coming from anywhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: Right. So, like I said, she was sick for weeks and she was pretty much the same, except the gurgling was kind of going away. So I thought she was getting better. And then suddenly one day she stopped roosting. She was just like sitting on the floor of the coop with her feathers all puffed up, with her eyes, you know, like half closed next mm. to the door at night. Mm. And which is never a good sign because, you know, chickens hide illness like for forever. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and separated her at that point, set up my chicken ER, gave her another bath, gave her more herbs, electrolytes, lots of rest. I gave her scrambled eggs. She was eating pretty vigorously. So I was like, oh, she's going to come around from this. She just she must have been too weak to hop up on the roost. So a little rest, a little extra food and a little extra treats. She's going to be totally fine. But then a couple days later, she just totally stopped eating. So I started checking her out some more and I'm like, well, what else could this be? You know, I've bathed her a bunch. I've been giving her the tinctures. I've been checking her over, like, what is this? And I palpitate her abdomen. And that's when I realized it's like hard as a rock. And I'm like, is that right? Are they supposed to be that hard? So it's like midnight oh. <laughs> and I'm out in the coop palpitating all the other chickens, which they didn't like very much, by the way.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sure they did not.
1: And I'm like, no, it's supposed to be kind of soft. Like it's not. Um, I wish I could describe it well. It just it, it just kind of feels like skin. Like if you push on your own stomach, how it kind yeah. of gives a little bit, but it doesn't feel all watery. That's how a chicken's abdomen is supposed to feel. So I'm like something okay. is definitely not right. This is hard as a rock. <laughs> so I'm like, I have got to check for an egg. I'm like she's egg bound. That's what her problem is. So <laughs> I gloved up. <laughs> My 14 year old was with me and helping me. He's been very helpful. Good. And uh, I gave her a soak in an Epsom salt bath. Like I was looking up what to do. And so I soaked her really well. I was patting her. I was trying to get her to relax. Nothing came out. So I was like, well, now I've got to investigate it. I gloved up. I checked her vent. And oh, yeah. Well, when I gave her a bath this time, she was floating. And I thought, that's weird. <laughs> why oh, yeah. Why can't I get her to sink in the bathtub? <laughs> this is not right. <sighs> uh, when I put my finger in her vent, I relieved the pressure from all of the gas. And oh. the vent glee sprayed like a pressure washer oh, out no. of her back end at me <laughs> oh gosh it's a really great visual for sure for sure um, and I thought that I could feel or see the egg, but I don't know. I must not be very good at doing vent checks. Cause I, I don't think there was really an egg in her, but that was, that was when I was like, Ooh, she is egg bound. And then I was like, wait, what is all of this disgusting smelly stuff all over me? And that was when it like occurred to me, Oh, the gleat. And she kind of smelled like vent gleat also. Like when I picked her up that time, like I could kind of smell it. I was like, cause I, I brought her Jared. I was like, smell this chicken. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm like, she my doesn't life. smell right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you are totally insane. Yeah, so you know, unfortunately, it, it was too late for her. She ended up passing away that night. But uh-huh. I did my best to kind of clean her up and do what I could. I. I think I just recognized it far too late. But I, I had been yeah. giving her electrolytes and I had been giving her extra food and all the rest and stuff. So I'm I'm not sure that even if I realized what it was, you know, like a week or two before I would have caught it. I probably needed to catch it before right. her abdomen got really hard. So Yeah. Hmm.
0: But now you know what to look for, and so do we.
1: Exactly. And Venkley is sort of I, I'm gonna go ahead and on a limb here and say that it is kind of common because everyone in the flock got a good check after that we had three chickens that had pasty butts so they all they got a real good bath everyone got a got a um uh apron on because you know they're molting and the rooster's been a little rough on the feathers so everyone got an apron everyone that had a poopy butt got a good soaking and a spray down and um yeah we had a few so they might just be a little stressed out because they're molting, too. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. That could definitely be it. But that just means more grubblies. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> so now it's time for We Can't Even Corner.
0: Yay! Everybody's favorite corner. Well, at least it's my favorite corner.
1: I mean, I like it. I think it's a lot of fun because I think we get to, like talk about something that we're interested in but isn't necessarily going on in our
0: lives (laughs) yes do you want to go first or do you want me to go first
1: you know I'll go first since it's in the notes that way just so that you don't have to keep scrolling back and forth but then I'll get to take a break. So my can't even this week is that the BBC News did this fun little, like, farm video where an ethical vegan met a sheep farmer. And, oh. yeah. So um, I'll link to this in the show notes Um, and there's just like a little tiny write up that went with the video and it says for the world shepherds shearing sheep is a vital part of caring for their flock. However, many vegans consider the wool industry to be cruel and harmful to animals and in early 2019 an online clothing retailer temporarily stopped selling woolen products and farmers were furious. So who's right? BBC reporter and former farmer Gareth Barlow took an ethical vegan, Kirsch Bowker, to meet sheep farmer Gareth Wynne-Jones to hear both sides of the debate. And if you don't know what an ethical vegan is, is they try to avoid using any form of animal product. So they don't wear any clothes made from wool or leather, and they're against the farming of animals at all. No animals use.
0: Okay. I wasn't sure what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you.
1: <laughs> so what I really loved about this video was that in it, like the sheep farmer really got an opportunity to explain like why sheep has to have to be sheared. And you know, it turns out like over time we as humans kind of intervened with their breeding just like we did with chickens. So sheep are much woolier today than they were, you know, like several thousand years ago. So they have to be sheared or else they will die a horrible death of, like, being eaten to death by maggots, which is pretty terrible.
0: Ew. I know,
1: right? <laughs> um, I mean, I personally don't think the answer is to let that happen to them. They have to mm-hmm. be sheared. Like, that's just we right. we messed with their biology. We have to shear them now. So that's my mm-hmm. personal take on it. And I actually, I really enjoy wool. I spin wool. I make yarn. I crochet things. I like how wool breaks down when I'm done using it. um, So it doesn't hang around for forever. But I've talked about that before. I prefer to use biodegradable products for my clothing and fashion. But that's me personally. Um, And she got to kind of explain like some of the things that she didn't like about the industry. Like she thought that it was really traumatic, like for the sheep to get sheared or that shearers you know didn't care about the sheep's well-being so they were kind of torturing them or cutting them and stuff but she actually got to watch a sheep get sheared and the farmer explained the whole time about how um, no farmer would invite a shearer to his farm that was mean to his sheep because you know the wool is kind of a byproduct of what they do the sheep are actually for meat and in the specific area of the country that he lives in, you can't have wool-free sheep, because they won't survive the winter, because it's too cold. So these sheep are actually bred specifically for this region in, in the United Kingdom. Um, and she also got to t- t- like tell how, well, aren't the sheep cold after you've taken their wool? Like, we're worried about them being cold at night. And he's like, well, we share them in the middle of the summer, so they won't be cold.
0: <laughs> They'll grow
1: <laughs> back before winter, we promise. I mean, I don't think anything that he said changed her mind. But um, and I don't think anything she said changed his mind either. Um, but I really liked how they put on, you know, on the stage, basically just a good conversation that didn't devolve into, you know, like name calling or yeah. ridiculousness. And it was two people that just like vehemently disagree about something. So I thought it was really cool. And they did agree on something in the end. She made a vegan cake and they both thought it was delicious. So
0: there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think that's what's important is, you know, in anything in life, you you can disagree and that's totally fine. Just don't be an a-hole about it. (laughs) The end.
1: I think it's good, too, to listen to what other people's issues are with something because then that kind of gives you an opportunity to explain why that's not the reality. Like, whether they decide to take it or not is up to them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's that. So what you can't even get over this week. I said that really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it. Do you it. want to try that again? No? Okay. No. <laughs> so
0: Sam, you, me, can't even get over <laughs> this week. Uh, I found this article on NBC News that we'll link to in the show notes. And the title is, Hundreds of Pigs Escape Vermont Farm, Post Back, oh, no. <laughs> Help, Most back help trail hot and yeah. Uh, So most of them were actually um, helped back from the trail with a trail of hot dog buns. Um, And that just made me laugh for some reason. So about uh, 250 pigs have been causing a ruckus in a Vermont town the past month after they escaped from their enclosure. Uh, But most of them returned as of Thursday, thanks in part to a trail of hot dog buns and good old fashioned crawling. And what I like about this, too, is that like several farm workers and volunteers heard about the loose pigs and like went out to help drive the pigs back into the Sugar Mountain farm. Oh, that's Um, awesome. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, And they chase the animals into the brush and ditches, working together to position themselves so they could corral the large sows and boars, um, which frequently would get away. Uh, The thing that I didn't like about this situation was that this farmer is likely to incur a lot of penalties and fines uh, for the number of pigs that have gotten out and in the way. Um, and as of last Thursday, the town tallied an estimated eighty-one thousand nine hundred and fifty-five dollars of fines that this farmer's incurred, oh my uh, gosh. or incurred because, um, yeah, some lady said she spotted like sixteen pigs in town um, mm-hmm. that were in the way, and it's obviously a pub- public hazard. And this isn't the first time the pigs have gotten loose, so it's kind of like <laughs> I feel bad for the farmer because. You know, he had, uh, like, 50 adult pigs and 200 piglets escape. And it was actually because he believes the fence was um, damaged by vandalism.
1: Oh. At the
0: beginning of August, um, he thinks it was the work of a former employee. He said he reported it to the police. And the farm was also recently robbed of thousands of dollars in tools. So it's kind of like insult to injury with these extra fines he hopefully won't actually get um, for the piggies being loose. But, you know, (laughs) so the story, like, I felt like a different kind of can't even. It was can't even that the fees are that crazy. Can't even that the poor guy, it's not really even his fault because a vandal probably did it. And then the most that most of the pigs are home safe due to hot dog buns. So (laughs) I felt very like different emotions reading through this article. So I'm going to keep an eye on this one just to see what happens. But hopefully he doesn't actually have to pay all those fines. yeah like bring it down a notch
1: (laughs) i hope not to i it's on i did read the article though it's unfortunate that this is the second time something like this has happened to him so that like is probably like the town's (laughs) like okay dude (laughs) yeah but sometimes you just have shit luck
0: yeah and it sounds like if if it wasn't really his fault i'm hoping that Since he reported that vandalism, that they can, you know, do a little investigation and hopefully, like, taper back some of those fees for this
1: poor guy. (laughs) That's a lot of money. (laughs) If they discover, like, oh, yes, it was actually vandalism, then he should be, like, the victim of a crime. And I think that when, I mean, I might be wrong about this, when you're the victim of a crime, though, I feel like some of the costs associated, like, with being the victim of that crime don't get charged you know what i mean like yeah i don't know i don't know how that works though
0: depends on how greedy people are i think yeah is my guess but yeah so that was my can't even for this week
1: (laughs) i loved it hot dog buns hot dog buns that is
0: the key if hamlet ever gets loose hot dog buns
1: i mean i should stock up (laughs) i'm pretty sure all of my animals around here would eat hot dog buns (laughs)
0: Yeah, definitely the chickens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would be in on that. The goats might turn their noses up.
1: Uh, they can be picky little bastards.
0: They can be.
1: So we don't have a regular farm story this week, but if you've got one for us, send it on over.
0: Yes. Email those to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com, or you can send them to us on Instagram or Facebook. We're not really picky.
1: We're not, and we'll read it. Yes. So since we don't have a regular farm story this week, we're going to kind of talk about how we individually deal with death on the farm, sort of briefly, just because I've kind of had a lot of it lately.
0: Yes, you have.
1: So I thought I should share kind of how I have developed a system to get through it, because I'm like a systems and processes kind of person. I mean, I'm an accountant, Mm -hmm. so I guess that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) And so I'm hoping that maybe the system will help somebody else if they're kind of dealing with a lot Um, because, you know, farm life just goes through the season. so. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever an animal dies on my farm, the first thing that we always do is we bury the animal um now we actually did something different with this chicken and we'll get to talk about it in a later episode but we actually composted this chicken so oh okay we're gonna see how this goes though before i talk about it on the podcast (laughs) 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 because it could go horribly wrong it hasn't yet though so knock on wood Um, but during the burial, like the whole family just kind of gets together and we just, um, tell the animal, thank you for whatever it provided to us. So like for the chicken, we always thank them for all of the eggs that they gave us. Um, for the goats, you know, we thanked them for their friendship and companionship and all of the fun that they brought to the farm and whatnot. Um, just cause it gives us like, I don't know when I'm grateful, I I don't have as much room for grief. I feel like. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helps me a little bit. And then I always clean up right away. I don't like to leave it for a long time because whenever an animal dies on your farm, it's never clean. Like there's always something that has to be cleaned up, whether it's, you know, like a sink where you performed a procedure, all of your medical supplies are kind of out and strewn about. There's piles of stuff places or a barn, a stall or a crate or something. Something has to be cleaned because being ready for when the next animal gets sick kind of helps tamp down my worry. Like I know that it's not something looming over my head that needs to get done. And then I always reorganize the first aid supplies because I'm always in a rush when I'm treating the animals, So stuff gets disheveled and sort of spread everywhere. And also when I'm reorganizing all of the medical supplies, it gives me the opportunity to kind of touch everything that we have so I can remember that we have it. Because I cannot tell you how many times I've treated an animal and forgot that I had something better to use. Mm but Mm -hmm. when I touch these things over and over again it helps kind of remind me that I have them so hopefully I can recall that I have it in an emergency (laughs) and then also I can figure out if I need to restock all the supplies because like I'll think about was there something missing while i was treating them that would have been helpful like if there was i'll go pick it up and i'll go buy it if something you know we ran out of something we go get it because there's something to be said about retail therapy right mm-hmm. oh yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> i mean even if it's just medical supplies you're buying i don't know i, I like to go shopping <laughs> and then i always check the flock or the herd to make sure that they don't have something similar like in this case we had vent cleat, so every single chicken got picked up and looked at, and if they had early signs of it, they got treated. If they didn't, you know, we we put the hen saddles on them anyways because, you know, we've got a lot of feathers missing right now. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it gives us the opportunity to kind of see if anybody else is sick, because if we catch things early, we're more successful in treating them usually that's just kind of the way it goes you can get over things yourself personally if you start treating yourself early when you realize you're coming down with something so same thing with animals Mm -hmm. um and then i always make sure and just let it go because like it's easy to end up blaming yourself when a death happens on your farm but shit happens and animals get sick and every death is an opportunity to learn something so I try to remind myself of that. And I do always give myself time to cry, too, because I think that getting the grief out helps you move on from it faster than, like, tamping it down and trying to pretend like it didn't happen. So mm. that's that's my ritual.
0: And Sam's ritual is, has been throw the chicken into the burn barrel, walk away, and start doing something else. So, <laughs> uh, which isn't normally, like, I wouldn't say is necessarily the healthiest approach, but... I think it's important to point out that everybody deals with death differently. And I feel like for me, like death on the farm is in different levels, which feels kind of complex and kind of cold. So at this point, because of the disease that our flock can contract and either have like normal immunity to or they just don't show symptoms or they don't die, um, the EV and leucosis... Like we've had like boom, 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 boom rapid death before, um, all from the same thing. So you get kind of desensitized to it uh, for the chickens. But like if anything happened to one of my goats, I'd have a meltdown, um, major meltdown, and I would process that very differently. So I think it's important to point out that grief looks different for everyone, and that's true with animal deaths and human deaths. Um, But I do think it's important to process in your own way and not feel uh, like you're doing it wrong, if that makes sense. So I think it's really great that you're very intentional with your ritual in the way that helps you heal. Whereas with mine, I do tend to just not process certain things um, with the animals that aren't as big and bulky, I guess. Like it's not just a chicken to me, but I think we're just so used to it and we know it's inevitable that chickens are going to die on our farm that I've learned how to deal with it in a different way.
1: That totally makes sense. And I think it is important to point that out because like I think that my chicken keeping experience is more like on a scale that like an urban, like a backyard Mm, chicken keeper would keep because my numbers are so low. So right. we've only had four chickens die in two years and three months of chicken keeping. So my husband and I did talk about that because he's like, you're doing a good job with the chickens. We've only had four die in two years and something months. Like, he's like, that's really good. You shouldn't worry about, like, this one dying from leak. Because, right. you know, of right. course, I'm always like, I should have noticed something was wrong. I should have taken it more seriously. It's like, no. Like... these things kind of happen so when you have Mm -hmm. death on a larger scale I think it's it's normal and probably healthier not to have to go through this big old long ritual every time because like all you'd be doing when it rears Mm -hmm. its ugly head is this over and over again yeah start to feel like a crazy person
0: yeah I might yeah definitely (laughs) but yeah with like the chickens like I don't even know how many deaths we've had um but the bird barrel like we threw chickens in and over the winter and it it kind of stacked up um because it was like you weren't gonna do a bonfire in the middle of the winter and they were frozen and there were no predators coming to get them it was fine um and then when you do burn them it it feels kind of odd a little bit but like that's something bev and i want to cover in a different episode is how to dispose of um, death on your farm because it's very different disposing of a chicken compared to a goat or maybe even like a cow or something. And I had a pretty interesting conversation with my mom this past weekend about how, um, how you're supposed to dispose of cows now. And it's just kind of like you just let them decompose where they're at. Hmm. Um, so it, you know, that is a pretty big topic. And I think it's really easy to personalize death, um, especially when you're new to this and, and make it feel like your fault when there's just so much that's beyond your control. And I think that's a really actually beautiful thing that you can learn on the farm is how much you actually don't have control over. Um, and that can resonate throughout your whole life. So
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the that's end. our farm story this week.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Grief. You're probably not doing it wrong, but it could look very different.
1: Absolutely. Just like everything else, it's basically what our podcast is. Oh, are you doing something? You're doing it fine. Yeah. You're fine. (laughs) You're fine.
0: As long as you're not doing anything super morally wrong or murdering someone or something, you're probably
1: fine. Yep. (laughs) Welcome to humanity. Yes.
0: Now it's time for housekeeping. Woohoo. Woo. So make sure you uh subscribe to us in your podcast app and review us and if you really like us we appreciate it if you download the episode when you listen. Um that actually helps people like you find us and then they join our fun community and we just all have a good time together. So if you can do those things for us that's a great way to help the podcast for free. Yes.
1: And make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to the article we discussed this week. And also, there's a survey in there. You can tell us how we're doing, and a link to our Facebook community and our merch shop. So be sure and check that out.
0: Yeah. So thanks for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you.
1: Yes. Yes, we do. So until next time, drink, farm, and and give zero zero clucks. clucks. Bye, guys.
0: We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Pamper your chicken from beak to toe with Messy Mildred Spa Products.
1: Messy Mildred offers organic chicken shampoos and salty egg bath bombs to keep your flock so fresh and so clean.
0: Messy Mildred products allow you to pamper your egg layers on the outside with natural and earth-friendly ingredients that have no synthetic fragrances or colors.
1: And I found a fun fact about Messy Mildred products. It was the spa product go-to for a Broadway hen in New York City that appeared in the play Once on this Island. So bathe your chickens in what the stars of Broadway deem worthy.
0: So go to MessyMildred.com and use code DRINK15 to get 15% off your chicken shampoo in lemongrass, lavender, or tea tree oil today. And don't forget to snag one of those salty egg bath bombs too.